Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Today, Andrew continues his teaching on who God is and who we are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. You need to recognize that you were an absolute mess before Jesus saved you. Apart from God's influence in your life, you just don't realize how perfect God created us to be. And now, here's Andrew. All of our sins have been atoned for, past, present, and even future sins. Sins you hadn't even committed yet have been put upon the Lord Jesus and He forgave you of sins that you haven't even committed yet. And I know somebody's thinking, how can God forgive a sin before I commit it? You better pray that He can <laughs> because He only died for your sins one time 2,000 years ago and if He can't forgive sins before you commit them, then you can't be forgiven. He can forgive sins. Your sins have been forgiven. Now, does that mean that you're free to go live in sin. I'll be dealing with this in more detail too. But no, even though God is not bringing His judgment on sin, Satan gains inroad to you through your sin. So if you go out and are living in sin, Satan is going to eat your lunch and... There you go. So you do not want to live in sin. It's just stupid. Quit living in sin. But what I'm saying is God loves you, stupid. Amen. He's not holding your sins against you, but Satan will make you pay if you're living in sin, so quit doing it. And so some people are saying, well, you know, but the Old Testament shows God judging people. For instance, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2 says, My hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor my ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And so the, in the Old Testament, God was separated from man over sin. And because of it, there was judgment upon sin. I can show you instances where God sent a death angel out and killed 183,000 uh, men in one night in the Syrian army. I can show you where God struck people with leprosy, where things happened. And people say, well, man, the Bible says God is love. That doesn't look like love to me. Well, in the old covenant, there was a difference between the way God deals with sin and the way he deals with it now. And I'll go into more explanation on this later as we get further into it. But basically the difference is that you and I are now new creatures. And because we, one translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, you are a new species of being that never existed before. And because of that, God can treat you differently than he could treat an Old Testament person who was living under the law and was basically getting what you deserve. We don't get what we deserve today. We get what Jesus deserves. And so some people says, well... Is he the God of the New Testament or the God of the Old Testament? Is he angry or is he in a good mood today? Well, the Bible says that he's the Lord and he changes not. Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So some people think, well, how do you reconcile the Old Testament and the New Testament? It's because... God didn't give the law so that you could keep it. 
And this is one of the big mistakes that people make when they are reading the Word and trying to figure out God. They see the wrath and the punishment of God and they just assume that God is this hard, angry God. But you know, the Scripture says that He changes not. He hasn't changed, but we have changed. And God deals with New Testament believers differently than he dealt with Old Testament believers. Let me just give you some quick examples here. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, it says, The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's Leviticus 20:10. Deuteronomy 22:22 says, If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. That was in the Old Testament, and this was how God commanded sin to be dealt with, and because of that, there are some people that just have this hatred for anybody who has committed adultery. Now, we need to hate adultery because adultery is bad. It gives Satan an inroad into our life. It, it causes all kinds of damage. But look at how Jesus dealt with a woman taken in the very act of adultery in John chapter 8. And she was brought to Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees, they hated Jesus and they were trying to entrap him and they thought they had him because of these verses I just read to you. According to the law, you had to kill any person who committed adultery. And if you didn't kill them then you could be killed for not upholding and enforcing the Word of God. So they brought this woman taken in the very act of adultery and they thought they had Jesus. Here's what the law says, Jesus, but what do you say? And Jesus just bent over and wrote on the ground like he didn't even hear them at first. And finally they kept pressing him. What do you say? They thought they had him. And he stood up and he said, He that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And of course, none of them were without sin. And it says they left being convicted of their own conscience. Their own heart showed them that there wasn't a one of them that was without sin. And so all of the accusers left. Now, Jesus did not say that what she did wasn't sin. Matter of fact, he even told her, he says, where's all of your accusers? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's in verse 11. So he called it sin. It was sin what she did, but he didn't enforce the Old Testament wrath. How could he get by with doing that? See, the difference is that God never wanted to hold our sins against us. In Romans chapter 5, it says that sin is not imputed when there is no law. This tells you why God waited 2,000 years until the time of Moses before he gave the Old Testament law because he didn't want to hold our sins against us. The very first person that sinned after Adam and Eve was Cain, their son, and Cain killed his brother Abel. And when God found out about it, God was talking to him and Cain says, I have nowhere to go. I'll be a vagabond. Every person that, tries to, every person that finds me will try and kill me. And God set a mark upon Cain and said, If any man avenges Abel's death, I'll avenge your death sevenfold. God protected the very first murderer that was on the face of the earth. But did you know that later, 
once the law was given, the very first person who broke the law was a man who picked up sticks on the Sabbath day so that he could make a fire and cook him a meal. And what did they do with him? They brought him before the Lord because it was said that you had to keep the Sabbath, but it didn't say specifically what the punishment for that was. And so they shut him up and they asked God what they should do. And God said, stone him to death, kill him. Can you see the difference before the law when grace was reigning and after the law? Before the law, Cain killed his brother Abel and he was protected. Not, it wasn't God approving of what he did, but God extended mercy and grace and protected him. But the first person who broke the law was a man who picked up sticks and they said, put him to death. Once the law was given, God held people's sins against them. And here is the reason that he basically did that. This is a misconception that people have. They think that the law was given for me to keep. That wasn't the purpose of the law. Now there is benefit in keeping the law as much as you can, but nobody can keep it perfectly. And it says in James chapter 2, verse 10, if you keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, you become guilty of everything. It's not like if you make 99 out of 100 questions and you get 99 right. You don't get 99 on God's test. You get a zero. If you miss one thing, if you break any precept of the law, you become guilty of it all. God did not give the law so that you could keep it and thereby earn relationship with God. But God gave the law to reveal sin to us. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law was given to show you your sin. And God didn't want us to know how sinful we were in the beginning. You know, if he wanted to, he could have shown Adam and Eve, look what your sin did. And if he just went down every person here and showed the pain and the suffering and the death that has happened in every person's life, I don't think that... Adam and Eve could have lasted. I don't think that they'd have been able to handle it. If he had shown them what Hitler did, the millions of people, Stalin, the tens of millions of people that were murdered and things, if he had shown all that to Adam and Eve, they couldn't have handled it. He didn't want them to know how bad a sinner they were, and he was willing to extend grace unto mankind. But mankind began to take God's lack of punishment as approval. They began to lose their sense of right and wrong because they were comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves, which the Bible says is not wise. But you can see this in the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis that uh, Cain had killed Abel. And then in that same chapter, Genesis chapter 4, Cain's great, great, great grandson, Lamech, comes along and kills a man in self-defense and he felt so much more justified in his murder than what Cain was that he said, if God avenges Cain sevenfold, he'll avenge Lamech 70 and sevenfold. But see, that was wrong. God didn't say that. That was Lamech. He was comparing himself with Cain and thinking, Cain got by with murder. Surely I'll get by with murder. And over a period of time, there just began to be murder. There began to be rape. There began to be lawlessness. And people were comparing themselves. And I know some of you are thinking, well, how terrible was that? Man, we are doing the exact same thing. Because people who are royalty, people who are uh, movie stars, people who are, are 
athletes and famous and making lots of money. They live in sin and it doesn't seem to bother them. And so we've lowered our standards. And today we have parades announcing gay pride and people just, you know, pumping their fist in the face of God and things are changing. And today most people are more influenced by their culture than they are by the Word of God. So for that reason... God gave the law to show you what sin was so that you would quit going out and just living in sin and also to take away the self-salvation, self-righteousness that religious people had because there's a lot of religious people that think, well, I'm better than this person over here. I fast twice in the week. I pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin. That's what the Pharisees said, see, about the publican over here. But God said that the Pharisee wasn't justified. The publican was the one who was justified because he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so to bring people out of that deception and to let them see that they can't trust in themselves, God gave the law that you might be doing better than I am. You might be living holier than me or holier than somebody else, but who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you miss heaven by an inch, you miss it by a mile. You can't just be good. You can't do your best. You either have to be perfect or you need a Savior who died for you and gave you His perfection. And so there were a lot of people like me. I've never gotten drunk in my life. I've never gone out and used profanity. I've never done all of these things that people talk about. And yet I needed salvation. How does God reach a religious person who's good enough that they think, well, you know, compared to other people, I'm okay. God gave such a standard that was so far beyond our reach that it made you despair of self-salvation. You know, if it was just up to you and you're saying, well, I believe I'm basically a good person. I don't know if any of you have ever seen these interviews that Ray Comfort does. I don't know if you have that over here, but in the United States, Ray Comfort is just really good. And he'll go up to people on college campuses and he has a microphone in his hand and he says, so do you believe that uh, good people go to heaven? And they'll, oh yeah. Did you know it just so happens that our present Pope said that even an atheist, if they're a good person, will go to heaven. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible reveals about God. So this Ray Comfort will ask people, and says, do you believe good people go to heaven? Oh, yes. Do you believe you're a good person? Oh, yes, I'm a good person. So are you going to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'll go to heaven. And then he'll say, well, have you ever lied? Oh, well, yes, I've lied. And then he'll read to them. It says, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns forever. And he'll quote that verse to them and they'll say, so if you lie, well, yes. So all liars will go to hell. Are you going to go, are you good enough then? And they'll start doubting it. And then he'll start mentioning other things. If you hate your neighbor in your heart, you're guilty of murder. If you lust after a person in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. And he'll just go through and name these things. And pretty soon they'll be saying, you know, I don't think I am going to go to heaven. That was the purpose of the law was to show you that if you think you're good, are you perfect? 
It says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's standard isn't our present day standard. Today, we allow homosexuality, we allow adultery, we allow lying and stealing and just all kinds of things, and we have lowered the bar so far that nearly anybody can step over the morality thing. You know, again, if you are setting your own standards and you're saying, I believe that this is acceptable, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what God revealed, I don't care about God's morality. Here's what my standard of morality is. Then you know what? You are making yourself God. God's the only one that has a right to set what right and wrong is. He's the one that created us. And when you change the rules and you say, I think that this is okay. Well, then you've put yourself in God's place. It's idolatry. Thank you for that thunderous silence. <laughs> I know what I'm saying is countering our culture. But I'm telling you, this is what the Bible reveals about God. So Ray Comfort will ask all of these people and eventually they'll be saying, oh man, I need salvation. That's what the purpose of the law was for, was to show you that God's standard is higher than you can make. Here's man's standard down here and you could fall across it. There's no problem at all. God will just raise the bars so high that it'll make you say, well, God, if this is the standard that you consider to be normal, well then God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the purpose of the law. So the reason I say all of this is to show you that the reason God revealed His wrath against sin was because He had to show us what sin was because we were comparing ourselves among ourselves and we were losing sight of what true morality was. And He had to take away our self-righteousness so that you would quit trusting in yourself and comparing yourself with other people. But remember that for 2,000 years, God did not reveal that wrath. Matter of fact, these verses, I think I got sidetracked here, but I read these verses about adultery. Did you know that Abraham broke Leviticus chapter 18, which says that if you marry a half-sister then it's punishable by death. Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. And yet he didn't have God rebuke him. Matter of fact, God called him a friend of God. The only person in the Old Testament that was called a friend of God. And it was a man who was living in a sexual abomination according to Leviticus chapter 18. And if you broke those standards in Leviticus 18, you had to be put to death. Abraham wasn't put to death. He became the patriarch because it was before God started holding man's sins against them. He was dealing with the human race in mercy and in grace because that's the way that God wanted to deal with people. But people were taking his lack of punishment as approval and therefore just living in sin. And so God had to do something to restrain the amount of sin. And then also Jacob came along who is Abraham's grandson and Jacob married two women who were sisters. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 29, verse 16. It says, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Jacob married Leah and Rachel. And according to Leviticus 18, 18, it says, Neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness besides the other, in her lifetime. And yet Jacob did it. And guess what? Jacob wrestled with an angel in Genesis chapter 32. 
and actually came out ahead and the angel blessed him. Here's a man who was living in a sexual abomination that was so strong with God that he prevailed against an angel and won a blessing. And if he would have lived under the law, he'd have been put to death. God was not imputing man's sins unto them. And the very fact that he waited 2,000 years to do it shows you that this wasn't God's first and best choice. He was willing to deal in mercy, but people were taking his lack of punishment and they were, they were losing their sense of right and wrong and they were thinking, I'm good enough. So God gave the law to show us how ungodly we were and it caused some problems. I don't know if y'all have it over here, but in the United States, if, if they advertise these medicines in the United States, we've got laws that says you have to show what the side effects are. Do you do that over here? And so they'll advertise some product and they'll say, take this pill, it'll heal your headache. But then they'll say, it could cause death. It'll cause impotence. It'll cause this. And I mean, they go through all of this stuff and I think, man, give me back the headache. It's better than all of the side effects. But in a sense, that's the way the law was. The law did two things really well. It showed you what sin was. And there are scriptures that say that was the purpose of the law is to show you the knowledge of sin. And it took away self-righteousness and showed you that you could never be holy enough. You could never live good enough. So it did accomplish some good things. And there still is a purpose of the law today. I'll probably deal with that more this week as I go through it. So the law accomplished some good things, but the side effects of it were guilt, condemnation, shame, and feeling like, oh God, how could you love anybody like me? If this is your standard, I'm so unworthy and ungodly. And so it did some good things, but it also accomplished a lot of guilt and a lot of condemnation. And in the new covenant, a New Testament believer has to get out from under the law and feeling like you've got to relate to God based on your performance or it will cause guilt, condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The righteousness of the law is now fulfilled in us, not in our physical bodies, but in our spirit through faith in Christ. And you have to purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14 says that. So anyway, the law had a purpose, but it revealed the wrath of God. And sad to say, most New Testament believers have not understood the purpose. They thought God gave the law so that we could keep it and thereby earn relationship with God based on our performance. And if that's what you think, it gives you a wrong impression of God. The seed, the ministry, I can't tell you how grateful we are as a family. On today's broadcast, you saw an excerpt from Andrew's teaching titled, Who God Is and Who We Are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. This four-part teaching is available in a CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount, 
or on a USB drive for only $30. Also available is the entire 2019 Grace and Faith Conference, which includes all four of Andrew's sessions, along with teachings from guest speakers Wendell Parr and Dwayne Sheriff. This conference was recorded live in Telford, England, and is available in a nine-part CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount or on a USB drive for only $49. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Join us for the 2019 Healing is Here Conference. This will be an extraordinary time of healing and inspiration from the Word of God. Mark your calendars for August 13th through 16th and join us for this free conference. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? Bring Karis with you wherever you go with our new Karis app. Free to download, the Karis app allows you to easily access everything Karis Bible College has to offer in one place. Receive exclusive Grace content and explore unique Karis features. Watch or listen to archived resources and teachings. Follow along with the Bible reading plan or listen to the audio Bible. The Karis app brings everything in one place. Download your app today. You know, I want to share with you about my Living Commentary. For those of you that don't know, this is a digital version of a Bible commentary. And I have literally gone through dozens and dozens of books and study guides to compile all of this. And I put it into a form in this Living Commentary that saves you all of that study. Plus, it's all of the insight that God has given me over 51 years of ministry is all poured into there. And we've devised this in such a way that you can put your little cursor over a scripture that is being quoted and it automatically pops that scripture up. You don't have to leave that screen and go somewhere else and then come back. And there are Greek and Hebrew words defined. There are commentaries that are on there. 
There's my footnotes. There's a treasury of scripture knowledge. Uh, there's different versions of the scripture. Check out our living commentary. It will be a tremendous blessing to you.